Today's episode is brought to you by ObsidianSound.net. That's the mastering service of Nathan Moody. Nathan is a modern wizard when it comes to mixing and mastering, uh, especially in the electronic music field. Um, I just recently got my masters back from him uh, of my album that I plan to release in late September on Flag Day Recordings. And it's, it's so cool. To, I mean, you get an album done and, and obviously you think it's good because you're going to release it out to the world. But when you send it off to somebody who knows what they're doing in the, in the dark arts of mastering and you get it back, it just really comes to life. It's, uh, it's awesome. Um, and yeah, Nathan's the guy for the job. So if you want some mixed notes, mastering or mixing done on some of your tracks or an album, uh, check out obsidiansound.net and tell them that I sent you and you can get yourself a discount. ObsidianSound.net Pod Mod Bods. Welcome back. It's been a while. It sounds funny right now, like maybe I'm in the passenger seat of a white Hyundai Elantra driving south on I-5. It's because that's exactly what's happening right now. My wife's Han- my wife Hannah is driving. Hey, Podmod Hot Rods. Podmod Hot Rods. Right. Where did that come from? Have you been brewing that one up? I've been brewing it. That's pretty good. Oh wow, that was really good. Um, I'm very sorry about the the lack of episode last week, um, but. I've been busy. Lots of stuff going on. And uh, if you're following me on Instagram, you've probably seen that I've got a skateboard recently and I've been shredding it super gnar style. Hella sick shreds. Hella sick shreds. So it's been so sweet. It's been, it's been pretty, um, pretty choice nugs. It's been choice nugs. Mm. Is that what they say? I think, I think it's choice nugs. Vert, yeah. vert ramp. Um, yeah, I have hurt myself a lot, but I'm still doing it, and I'm having a lot of fun. Um, got some stuff to talk about. My my Needham work, Woodworks case, I think, is going to be arriving in the next few weeks, and I've been following uh, Eric's page on Instagram, Needham Woodworks, N-E-E-D-H-A-M, Woodworks, um, and I can see him making progress on the current batch, so I'm seeing all these different beautifully handcrafted um just fine furniture euro rack cases and i'm like which one's mine but i don't want to ask him because i don't you know i want it to be a surprise um but yeah if you if you need yourself a nice a very very nice uh wooden it's just like like, i'm really excited for it to class up our and dining room yeah. studio space. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to look a lot nicer than what we have <laughs> happening right now. So I'm excited for that. Yeah. I mean, I think especially if, uh, yeah, if your wife is nice enough to let you use the, the kitchen or the, the dining area, uh, the dining table as your studio, um, you know, having a nice piece of fine furniture will definitely, it'll help. It'll help yeah. better than two like black oblong boxes with wires spilling out of them. Um, oh, big news. Big, big news. We got Velocity coming up. Patchworks and Modular Seattle present Velocity, which is going to be like a an all-day, it's like a one-day festival, you could almost think of it. It's like going to be a trade show. There's going to be uh, 
education aspects. There's, you know, workshops. Um, there's going to be a live Podular Modcast. And uh, Ben Divkid Wilson, all the way over from the UK, is going to be uh, hosting with me. And uh, let me just let me just run down this lineup for you really quick. These are the, the performing artists. Basic, Anne Annie, Sophia Saze, I hope that's right. Amulets, Banna Hafar, A Box in the Sea, Alani, Evola, Bill Horst, Dark Sparkler, Donald Crunk, Eric Schlappy, Horse with One Leg, Monster Planet, Nancy Drew, Nathan Moody, Proximal Distal, Proximal Distal, R. Benny, ever heard of him? Ray, Rika, Sentimental, Sunfalls, The Animals at Night, Trust Anchor, William Smith, and Starboy. That's a pretty freaking stacked lineup. Damn. That yeah. Sounds like it's going to be a great show. Yeah. Workshops and presentations. Ann Annie, Nathan Moody, Div Kid, uh, Allotrope, IJK, Bleeps and Loops, Technological Taxidermy, our homies from Spokane. I'm looking forward to meeting them. AI Synthesis and Podular Modcast. So, uh, yeah. Patchworks and Modular Seattle present Velocity. October 5th, 2019 at Substation in Seattle. If you're in the area, they, uh, they are looking for um, volunteers to help set up and break down. Uh, it would be super awesome if you would get a hold of Bradley and Josh at Modular Seattle, either on Facebook or Instagram. Um, I'm sure they would love to have your help. And, uh, yeah, I would love to see you out there. Um, in other news, Expert Sleepers has announced a disting Mark 4.12 firmware update. That's the third firmware update this year. So um, I'm pretty sure he's settled on the, uh, the Mark 4 for the form factor. So now with all the updates, like you basically, I mean, already three times this year, you just get a new module by having the one module. It's a great deal. Um, and you, yeah, you guys know how I feel about the disting. But yeah, just just since this la- the last episode was dropped, we have another firmware update. So that's pretty cool. Um, let me check my notes. Might want to edit this part out, Tim. Uh, we got the velocity. Oh, something cool happened. What was it? It was really cool. What? What's so cool? Well, I went down to Patchworks, our local synth shop. You can check them out at patchworks.com, P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S.com if you want to buy something and you don't live in Seattle. If you do so, tell me what you got. But anyways, I was down there at Patchworks. Oh, of course you were. Of course I was. Um, and I'm talking to, uh, to Nick and Hannah and we're, you know, jibbing and jabbing and driving and joshing and, you know, and uh, this dude comes up to me just stands in front of me holds out his hand like he wants to shake it and i'm like uh hey so i shake his hand i'm like hi uh and he's like you're the dude i'm like what he's like podular modcast i'm like oh yeah he's like i'm dante i'm i'm here from uh, utah and i heard you know so he went to visit patchworks because he heard about it on the show and i show up and he he recognized me by my voice i got my first voice recognition i love it yeah, so I guess I'm famous now? I think that means you're famous. So, uh, yeah. Um, write me a letter. Tell him how famous he is. And if you want me to, like, just, like, autograph, like, a, like a cocktail napkin, uh-huh. fit, what, 15, 20 bucks? Yeah, I think. Plus shipping? Like, yeah. Okay. 
$15.99 in shipping. Maybe I'll put some lipstick on and kiss it too. Absolutely. Spray it with your cologne. Spray some cologne. Some Axe body spray uh -huh. on it. Mm. Absolutely. Man, that stuff's strong. Uh, anyways, I think we're almost done with intro stuff. Um, oh, also, another cool thing that happened. Um, I believe his name was Nick. And now I feel bad. It's it's. I'm so bad with names. Um, but I hope your name's Nick. But uh, at Modular Nights the other weekend, um, this guy walks up to me, introduces himself. He's like, hey, a fan of the podcast. He found the podcast by ran just randomly searching synths in the podcast app. And came, came, came across PodMod, then learned about Modular Nights and Modular on the Spot and all the stuff. And so he came to check it out, and he's super stoked on it. And, uh, you know, I told him to introduce himself around. And, yeah, so it's Another just... Another one bites the enough. dust. It's, I think that's my favorite way to hear about people finding the show, that they stumbled upon it. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. Exciting. That's pretty cool. So if you found the show just by stumbling upon it, let me know. I would, I would love to hear that story. Also, I see there's a lot of people in other countries listening. Write, write me an email. Tell me where you are. And uh, tell me a little bit about your hometown. I need to learn more about the world. And I would love to hear it from you guys. Yeah. I think that's about it. Patreon.com forward slash Podular Modcast. If you would like to help out, I sincerely appreciate all the help that everybody has uh, provided so far and uh, yeah we're just moving one step closer each week to me maybe not having to be a construction worker every day you're gonna get there it's gonna happen maybe someday we can do this podular modcast no patreon.com forward slash podular modcast try saying that it's, it's harder than you'd think Patreon.com forward slash Podular Modcast. Okay, now say it quickly. Patreon.com forward slash Podular Modcast. You're way better at me. Patreon.com forward slash Podular Modcast. Oh, no, oh that was really good. Was I think really it's good. because I've been practicing because yeah. it's it's been tripping me up. Okay, so I hope this audio quality uh, wasn't that bad. We're going to talk to Marcus from Modular Field Records. Now, you would think that Modular Field, the name of a record label would have to do with modular synths, right? That would be what I would assume. Oh, uh -huh. that's what I assume too, but it might not be. Oh. But you're going to just have to listen to learn more about that intriguing story. Let's listen to a demo really quick of the noise engineering Kith Ruina with the Jupiter Spirits oscillator from Recovery Effects. Gotta just give a shout out to that oscillator. It's, uh, you got four oscillators. You got a saw and a sine wave for each one. Each one has its own one volt per octave. So you got four oscillators in I think 12 HP. Great utility oscillator. Recoveryeffects.com. And let's check out this Kithruina. K-I-T-K-I-T-H-R-U-I-N-A. Kithruina from Noise Engineering. All right, let's take a look at the Kithruina from Noise Engineering. I got the Peaks Kick and Snare. Uh, and then I've got Erica, uh, drums, hats, and snare. Number two, tip top one with a weird bass hit. So here we have the Kithrina. Drive is all the way down, and the high and low are at noon. Uh, the mid, mid switch is on. 
And let's start bringing that drive up. signal and then just dial in a cool uh, uh, overdriven thing so you can see you can get a little bit of both worlds. So you can see that they can be used uh, to just drive your whole signal and make it real crunchy, or you can just get a nice, nice little lightly crunchy thing, um, and with your drive signal together with it. So it's uh, pretty useful in that regard. So there's a really quick little dirty intro to the Kith Ruina, and we'll take a look at another one uh, later on in the episode. Go to noiseengineering.us to learn more. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, Marcus, I really appreciate you taking the time to join me here. It's uh, it's what nine p.m. your time? I guess yeah, nine p.m. Last time I checked, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's noon my time, and uh, yeah, it's it's always it's always kind of hard to try to talk to people on the other side of the Atlantic because of our time difference. So thanks for uh, making it work with me. I'm I'm really excited to talk to you. Yeah. Thank you for uh, inviting me to your show. Because today's also a lovely summer evening. It's mild outside and um drinking a chilled glass of a rose. Yeah, I'm looking forward Ooh. to your questions. Whatever you have. <laughs> have Great. on your mind, yeah. Well I guess um I guess let's let's just start from I, I wanna definitely get into how you started the label. Yeah. But maybe let's get some background on um, you know, what led you to to uh, liking electronic music so much and specifically modular music that uh, that started that got you started on the label like you can start from your childhood when you first got into yeah. electronic music or whatever you want i guess it's a it's a, a long story but i will try to keep it short um i started first <laughs> of all the first impressions of music in general was uh by my parents or by my father who was listening to i don't know uh, I'm grown. Uh, I grow up in the east of Germany, and mm -hmm. um, my father was always listening to some Bruce Springsteen records and stuff like that. <laughs> and um, that was the first time where I get actually in touch with music, and later on developed a. Uh, I can, can remember just in the uh, first when I came to school, I was listening to a lot of classic music. I got a first Walkman and uh, I got some old school classical music tapes on that and everybody else was listening to, I don't know, some sort of uh, uh, child audiobooks and stuff like that. And I was listening to classical music, really enjoyed that. And later on, the journey continues. I'm really, when it comes to music, I'm really open-minded. As long as the music is good, 
I can listen to it without judgment. Um, there are mm -hmm. some some boundaries. I don't know. I, I don't get into heavy metal or I don't know <laughs> desert rock or I guess I, <laughs> when it comes to more the acoustic side of um, of um, of uh, music. I'm maybe a little bit okay, but I also like jazz. You see, I, I like very uh, different kinds of music. And um, after that, I'd really uh, developed a uh, strong habit since today to listening to rap music. I'm a huge rap music fan when it comes to music. Mm -hmm. First of all, when you ask me what uh, type of music do you hear, I would say rap music. That's my. That's why I learned English because I wanted to understand what people are actually uh, saying in the songs. And uh -huh. um, after that, um, I was, yeah, like on the journey, I, was, I would love to discover more. And a friend of mine from the childhood, he was introducing me to electronic music. He had his, uh, had his own, he had his techniques He was a little bit older than me and more into it and uh, some sort he teached me the way of electronic music. Start off like, I guess it was a time, it was minimal music, a lot of uh, Frankfurt influenced stuff like Sven Fed and stuff and in general uh, minimal electronic music and also at the time trance music because uh, nobody was like, oh, you're listening to trance music. It's a little bit cheesy. <laughs> no, it was just the music around and it was not the worst music around it because it was also the time of Eurodance and Ada. Uh -huh. That was just like what people are discovering lately. Oh, that's totally new. No, it's a remix of Eurodance, what you're listening to at the moment. Yeah, and then from that, it all be I just soaking in music and there is no definite way of, I would say, I love that genre or this genre i just enjoying music in general because it's just what a lovely thing to spend your okay. time with i hope that yeah, answers I'm, your question I'm, I'm i don't the know same way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm kind of the same way you know i grew up i grew up in the in the mountains of washington state so it was a lot of country music when i was a yeah. kid actually so to go from country music to obscure electronic music has been quite, <laughs> quite a journey but you know being in being in germany that's i feel like that's probably one of the best places in the world for um for electronic music is certainly when it all like kind of started really becoming popular yeah i would say it's detroit but um at the time yeah. for for the music i would listen to it's more like detroit influence i would say because um okay. yeah that was here like the uh i don't know start off like you know you need to mention them craftwork or the uh, whole crowd uh, rock movement with connie plunk and stuff like that but that's not my type of electronic music i listening to um, mm -hmm. most people maybe get offended when i'm telling them yeah craftwork i found that's a little bit boring Because, yeah, it's, it's just like, yeah, it's, it's your blueprint of electronic music. And maybe it's not my time. I, I don't know. I'm more invention-driven. And I'm really impressed what uh, Detroit uh, did with that sound. What uh, That German was kind of the, the birth of techno, yeah, right? Like yeah. it was in Detroit. Yeah. Okay. And, and um, yeah, that's, that's more what uh, tickles my fancy when it comes to um, <laughs> what that um, electronic stuff of that electronic music is like more like the Detroit techno side and also the house music, um, more from Chicago influenced. But in general, yes, when you speak of Germany and you directly what comes into your mind is electronic music and more, maybe more the. 
I don't know, experimental or more the start, the initiating of electronic music and later on, of course, the development of to minimal music, especially driven here from Cologne or then like the later on the, the more... Um, I don't know, don't want to put it in a negative way, but the more uh, drug-influenced electronic music when it comes to Berlin, like, yeah, uh -huh. okay. and stuff like mm -hmm. that. But drugs not in a, in a bad way, more like the um, the spirit, the spirit of it, from more like, I want to feel the music in a different way, and so I'm adding uh, more elements to it, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, okay, well, I can, I guess I can hear that influence in in the, the types of records you release because there's definitely, you know, like with, like, uh, Anon Bast. Yeah. She's definitely has some, some techno elements. Mm -hmm. and um, But then you also get into some kind of more experimental stuff with, um, you know, Lucid Grain and uh, what Martha's doing with Panic Girl and then your a recent release with Nathan Moody. So what is it about kind of the... The, the mixing of the rhythmic stuff with kind of the electronic or the more experimental stuff that really draws you in. It uh, seems like that's kind of the taste of the, the label. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Also, I guess the, the, uh, the foundation of the label is like um, having timeless music, creating timeless music. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's more um, experimental than it's more concrete. Like with, the, with Anna's uh, Anna Bass stuff, is, yeah, it's more like uh, you can grab it more. You see always the photo of the floor drum. You have a a certain sound structure in it then you have when you say you comes more to the Nathan Moody stuff or uh, for Marco Hanoi that's more like experimental stuff and, and when it comes to Lucid Grain it's more like it's even a little bit more experimental but I guess um, it's just like switching from um, clear sound structures you can grab to more abstract ways and the way of thinking or creating the label was like to create timeless music pieces where you can uh, listening to them in 10 years and 20 years from now on and you don't get mm -hmm. the, the chills when I'm like I was talking before to Eurodance music when you hear it today you feel, <gasps> what what <laughs> what what was I listening to and so yeah, so yeah. so it all also started <laughs> the first record we put out it was from uh a friend of mine and the artist's name is Death Trap and he made a really a mashup or more like his interpretation of crowd rock and trap music and when you go a little bit oh. more back beyond the uh, the uh, temporary more experimental uh, modular stuff we're releasing you find a lot of UK garage and more concrete techno stuff like that and it's just like a developing I would say of my mood what I was like to listening at the moment and also the people I'm enjoy working with at a certain time. It maybe next okay. year year it could be uh uh Mongolian th uh, throat music <laughs> when when the guy is yeah. nice who producing it. It's just like don't hunting trends, just like follow your your heart when it comes to music, I would say. Yeah. I like that. And I I feel like that is more common now with um with with the advent of DIY culture and, and band camp and, and the fact that anybody can really start a label in theory mm -hmm. um, and you can just kind of curate more your taste than a, a specific genre. And I think 
I, that, that's what I, that's really attracted me to all these DIY labels. Like Bandcamp is just a great place to find. Yeah, it's, um, it's a rabbit you know, hole when you get going to Bandcamp and, oh, three hours gone and you're just browsing through releases, <laughs> through releases, and you, maybe you can spend... I re, uh, wrote a nice tweet today. It would be more easier when uh, PayPal directly uh, uh, transfers my bank funds to Bandcamp, so it would be more easy and more quick to buy stuff like on there. And I can totally agree. And yeah, with the uh, DIY movement in general, you got that... Yeah, you got all kinds of all shapes of the spectrum of electronic music and not only the uh, commercial driven type of side uh, side you know what i mean and mm -hmm. um more like the uh yeah transporting a spirit and also giving a platform a wider platform for people who are creating yeah that experimental music major labels won't touch because in the exactly, end, yeah. In the end, you, you don't get that uh, million Spotify plays with a 10-minute uh, drone ambient noise <laughs> star, you know. Uh-huh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so are, are, are you a musician yourself? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so... On occasion? I'm, I, yeah. I'm doing it very long, <laughs> for a very long time. I started out like... I don't know, I can't remember doing music since for, but I don't release music. I'm doing it for my own or you you, you would never know that I, um, I made that music. So I have one, um, I didn't release on my own label, for example. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's interesting to me because I feel like there are, there are many ways to be a musician and to be a fan of music. And sometimes you're both, and there's, there's ways of being a, both a fan and a musician at the same time. And so what is it about curating a, a collection of music that you like that it seems to me, uh, what, what about that is more of a priority than releasing your own music? I would say that it started out like that. Um, we need to get go a little bit back, back in the days when the internet, uh, I don't know what was just a music platform. I was, was making music at the time, more electronic music with uh, more like the breakbeat stuff and uh, also a little bit of drum and bass at that time. And I discovered the uh, platform that was uh, my own music in Germany where people could uh, set their music online and then uh, the community could rate or could give you tips on improvement and stuff like that. And I stumbled uh, upon many great musicians that were just like, I don't know, trapped there with their stuff. And mm -hmm. I thought it would be nice to spread that with a um, sorry share it with a um, wider audience and so I started so I started into looking into um, yeah how can I actually do it and um, I had no idea at the time how to run a label or stuff like that and <laughs> all these labels were just like it was also the golden age of uh, vinyl labels where everybody was shifting around 10,000 of units of records and was so professional at all and had no time to share knowledge. And also at the time, uh, there was also not a, a pool where you can grab that knowledge from the internet. And so, I, yeah, mm -hmm. that time, I would say when you, you, you have spoken of uh, DIY music, I was DIY labeling at that time, trying everything... Figuring out since since today, I still or we are uh, trying to figure out stuff. Nobody has an idea how to do it correct, and so we're figuring out. We're testing a lot and we're playing around. It's just uh, like uh, a playground. And to come back to <laughs> to your original question, so I started um, with the um, with a net label. 
and where you can download music with a, with a Creative Commons license for free and stuff like that after discovering all the great artists on the platform. And it grew from there. And then, then was a time like um, NetLabel had, had its peak hype time, I, I would say around 2005. Don't quote me on that. But um, uh-huh. And after that, the int- it never get... It's a great. It was a great idea, but mixed with too much. I don't know, esoterical, to say it in a mean way, and esoteric stuff like yeah, it's unmanned and everything is free, free, and uh, we must share everything. Yeah, it's it's a nice idea. I would uh, uh, support, but the people they don't get it. They say, oh, it's yeah. it's free music. Nah, uh, what? So it doesn't uh, is enough to release on a real label and stuff. And why is it free? It, d- it doesn't. Yeah, must be. And so they didn't d- never get never um, uh, get. It was the, hard to take seriously. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to take serious. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and so I stopped. Yeah, I feel like. <laughs> sorry to interrupt. No, I feel no like two thousand five, two thousand five to maybe. I mean, you could even say to maybe now, but maybe 2012-ish. It seemed like there was a a very strange transition time when think, when streaming and being able to to release your own stuff online um, became an opportunity that anybody could have. It, it, there was an awkward period there. Do you do you feel like that the digital age, that whole that whole kind of uh, shakeup of the industry? Do you think that's like evening out in any sort of way now? Um, it seems like it seems like labels, like independent labels, are maybe doing a little better now than they were. Yeah, I would then. Yeah, I would say yeah, there was like the uh, implosion of everybody can do it on their own. To mm-hmm. um, the point, a few of them reach their audience, but all the there, but the many many more who started on their own didn't reach their audience. It's not that they're making bad mm-hmm. music and stuff like that, but people, when it comes to the digital age, people have so less time to figuring out. Not everybody is figuring, sitting on Bandcamp, figuring out what can I hear, what is nice, all oh, this, this independent artist, what I like. They're lazy when it comes to that. They're maybe <laughs> de- de- depending on the uh, Spotify algorithm. And mm-hmm. who I never tested out, who suggesting that, oh, you like that artist? Maybe check out this artist. And also was it like with um, um, a lot of music magazines also died out because of that, because they didn't uh, uh, handle to, to give an insight into the Aussie DIY or everybody who's releasing music. But I think it's evening out because people looking for some sort of filter mechanisms they can trust. They can go to, they want to have, they go to source for uh, uh, video, audio and stuff like that. So I guess it's more than ever, it's important to have, not, not. uh, I don't mind the mentality of some sort of gatekeeper and stuff like that, just more like a pre-selection for the uh, listener. So yeah, and so you can you have yeah. also you can have also the synergy effect because maybe just for example I'm a, like just put it simple I'm model of field I'm in the uh, basic way I'm a filter I'm filtering for you music and my suggestion is also to maybe listening oh you like uh, Anon Bass but maybe you want to get. Uh, 
more experimental listen to some Hanoi stuff or some Nathan Moody or some NNE and something like that. Mm -hmm. And um, what we will see, we will see because I guess what I observed is also that the self-publishing platforms, I never, I always forgot the name, also getting a pay. I guess maybe people are doing it like before, but uh, you and I never will hear of them because they are not in our filter bubble. For example, right. we never will hear that guy from uh, from uh, Osaka who's making that weird shit, and he's also, <laughs> also releasing by himself. Yeah, because it's out of reach. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I, you know, I feel like what labels used to be were kind of more of a, a marketing and, and money making machine, and then everything got really jumbled up with the, the the digital streaming and everything through that weird implosion period. And I'd like to think that maybe I am maybe I'm being overly optimistic, but I would like to think now the job of the label is is like what you were saying, like a, a filter or, or a curation of a certain collection of things. And then, so the old labels may have reached millions of people, but I feel like the 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 modern label, like something like modular field may, may not be reaching millions of people, but the thousands of people that you are reaching are devoted fans. And I think thousands of devoted fans are much is much more meaningful than millions of, of passive listeners. I, I would agree on that. Totally. Yeah. Because um, we have a dedicated supporter base. I would say people are really looking forward to new releases and, really engaging or sending over uh, emails and stuff like that. Yeah, I guess it's also a little bit more personal. We're not that, I don't know, we're not universal or, I don't know, mm -hmm. name another few big labels and stuff like that where, um, where people uh, just like working in background. But on the other hand, I guess it's also what I observe a lot is that people don't understand the concept of the label if you don't talking to really dedicated music fans and stuff like that. Oh, you're running a label. What do you do? Because when you're looking onto mainstream music, you don't know on what you can guess Taylor Swift is on Universal Music, but the label, no, it's just Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift is doing her thing. Right. And well, that's something I wanted to ask you about because I've I've tried to start my I kind of run a little digital label since I started the podcast. It's it's gone by the wayside, but yeah, that's definitely what I wanted to ask. So for people who don't know, what what does a modern day DIY label do? What what do you do for for an artist, and and why is it why is it um, more beneficial for an artist to consider a label? We try to, um, but the first explanation is also we, uh, Stefan, Tycho, and I are running the label beside our daytime jobs. It's just like um, this is also giving us the, um, the, I guess, a, a little bit more the freedom because the rent is paid to going into music we like and we like to support than hunting a trend down and trying to get millions of uh, plays. And, mm -hmm. But also, we are really serious when it comes to the label work by itself. W I would say we're not that different to a major label in case uh, and uh, when it comes to taking care of artist needs. And it can start with uh, what we're doing. We're doing, I would call it maybe to just grab it, a full service. You as your artists only need to worry about making music. You make your music, you're following your idea, your creation. Then you ca and then you send over the unmastered music to us. We will take care of the mastering. We will 
take care of the artwork. We will take care of the production process, like putting on vinyl, putting it on tape. But also we would take care to maybe develop an idea what we can do with promotion with the artist or also helping the artist in developing maybe his own creative styles, maybe have an idea to collaboration with other artists and stuff like that. Just, yeah, a full service, I would say. It's so much wo uh, work involved and also dealing with also the administrative stuff of say, like doing taxes, doing... Absolutely. Giving, ev yeah. giving everything to digital distributors to... We have a strong partner when it comes to a distribution. Rough Trade is handling our digital distribution and our... Um, And our physical stuff like that when it comes to vinyls. So we just sending them over to their warehouse and I'm sure that they're out in every record shop on the world. So Oh yeah. Wow, Rough you so you work with Rough Trade. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. That's rough, a that's a big name. That's great. Rough Trade is uh, do, um, doing our yeah, the physical and the digital side. So I could I don't know I don't want to have an account everywhere and spread I love to talk with a real person when it comes to my digital distribution. Uh, and say, yeah, here's the new release. Can you put it out there? Do you have any suggestions when it comes to naming or the price tier or something like that? I know it's a personal contact, and that's why, where Rough Trade is a great partner for us. Oh, great. Yeah, so as in, so everything you just said, the, the full service aspect as an artist is is so appealing. Like, to to be able to just focus on the music, because mm -hmm. I've, I've self-released a number of albums, and you know, it's, it is so hard to get people to listen to them. Yeah. And it's also hard to make the music and promote the music. And as for the person who made it, it's even hard to kind of try to pitch it to people to try yeah. to, you know, like writing a press release about your own album mm -hmm. is kind of an awkward thing. So to have somebody who, who is a skilled at it uh, and, and B has an objective point of view from it is just so valuable so it's i mean i just i just love the concept of diy labels and especially what you're doing it's just uh, it's so cool that that thing can that can still exist because i was worried that it was going to go away with uh me too with me too. streaming and everything yeah. yeah yeah like you said for example everybody could just put it on spotify and call it a day so um mm -hmm. but i guess it's when it comes to music it's also i love the physical formats we don't doing um digital releases in any way maybe a single here and there but uh, we're always mm -hmm. taking care to make the tapes and um, then I'm sitting here uh, at my desk and crafting the tape covers for the artists and it's a deeply meditative process for me also um, like um, I mentioned sometimes before, when you um, now in the digital age you don't have that much time you're driven by your job you need to pay the rent and stuff like that and uh, we want mm -hmm. to just provide a nice maybe a vinyl where you can just sit back and relax and drink a coffee and listen to the vinyl and yeah forget about the day and also yeah, in, in that sorry to and also in that uh, <laughs> type of manner we want to um, support the artists that they just because it's also we don't it's not just like making music it's also hustle for the artists they need to also pay their rent they need to they have mm -hmm. all daytime jobs maybe 89 yeah. 80 of them just normal people normal people who used to also do music and um, if you doing your nine to five job then do music and then try to yeah grab the attention of people i, I don't it's really hard it, maybe it's extremely yeah, hard yeah 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 and i and i think i don't know i had a question and i forgot it but um yeah i i just i think it's it's so hard to get people to trust 
I, I guess when you're when you're being pitched an album from from a, a label, it's a little bit more. I, I guess people might be more willing to check it out than if the artist themselves is pushing. You know, because if somebody's coming up and is like, "Hey, listen to my demo tape," there's something about that that just naturally people kind of are maybe a little standoffish and kind of squeamish about. Um, so yeah, I think now I'm just rambling, but yeah. I remembered my question. <laughs> All right, let's look at the Kithruina from Noise Engineering one more time. It's uh, it's an overdrive with EQing abilities, as you saw earlier. But what's really cool about it is that it has a second set of input and output where you uh, can use it without the drive and use it just as uh, an EQ. And I find it to be heavily useful on uh, kind of like... Um, a master track. So, so I take like things into my mix four from Maleco. So I got four different things coming in, uh, like a drum beat and, uh, a baseline. Like you'll hear in a second, I'm using the Jupiter spirits from recovery effects as my, as my oscillator. Um, and then I've got peaks for drum and snare or kick and snare. And then I'm using the, uh, the Pico drums from Erica. So you'll hear, this whole mix, and let's just take a listen to it as I start adjusting the different uh, parameters, the mids, the mid switch, uh, and the high and low knobs. So you can hear I, I brought the lows down and back up. There go the highs. And they come back. the lows go I love this mid switch you just cut the mids it's a nice quick scoop pretty useful now let's listen to that same drum beat but through the distortion because as cool as that EQ is the Kith Ruina really shines when you get uh, when you get down and dirty with it just rock out with it for a while here you can see there go the highs uh you're going to be able to tell when i take the highs and lows out and the cut the mids so let's just let's just listen to it and i'll stop yammering
So uh, go to noiseengineering.us to learn more about the Kithruina. Uh, it's very useful and uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, also, the Jupiter Spirits from Recovery Effects is uh, is such a great utility module. It's got four different oscillators on it. You got a saw and a sine wave, and each one is uh, one volt per octave controllable. Um, so it's and it's all packed in like twelve HP. So that's four individual oscillators in twelve HP. So yeah, sky's the limit there. And be on the lookout. Uh, Recovery Effects is going to be releasing something pretty cool at the end of this week. Um, yeah, noiseengineering.us and recoveryeffects.com. My question was, is um, as far as the physical artifact goes, that's like everybody thought the digital age would kill everything and then vinyl started coming back and people said that was just a fad, but you know, it's been 10 plus years since that's come back. And then cassette tapes are probably more popular right now than they've ever been. Why do you think that is? Sorry to interrupt again. Um, I just, that was such a stupid thing that I said. I don't mean that their tapes are more popular than they've ever been. I mean that they're more popular than they've ever been since they've started to become popular again. You know what I mean. Anyways, back to the show. I don't know. I guess it's a, just when it comes to tapes, I would say it's just a, a simple uh, uh, cost matter ring thing. Like uh, a, mm -hmm. a vinyl production is really expensive and takes a lot of time. Because uh, like you mentioned before, like the uh, pressing plans all full. And when it comes to the time you need, uh, you uh, um, the time is so long for, to getting the final master out and getting the final record back and then you also need time to distribution and it costs a shit ton of money to do it like that <laughs> and yeah. then when it comes to tapes you just order tapes and maybe you have you can dub it at home or dub them there and they are easy to make really cheap and um, yeah I guess also a, a lovely format to design stuff for i just speaking as a perspective of a designer like uh, i'm doing everything at the label like uh the vinyl artworks and also the uh tape artworks it's a really lovely thing to um yeah to design and i would say when it comes to that there may be when 10 people buying a tape i would say maybe one is or two are actually listening to it at home The rest is just mm -hmm, is just mm -hmm. a collector's item you can put onto your shelf, and then you have the digital download from Bandcamp yeah. and wherever. Yeah. So on a consumer level, I, I have my own theory, but I just want to hear what you yeah. have to say about it. Um, you would you would imagine by now that especially something like a cassette tape, but that physical media in itself wouldn't be something that people want, but it seems like they do, and it seems like they want it more so than you know 10 years ago yeah I get so what what is it as a consumer what is it that that makes people want to have the physical item i i have a wild theory on that <laughs> uh -huh. um, i would love to hear it because yeah, i do too i have something i've put a lot uh, of thought into <laughs> we we are at the moment of uh or at the at the time span where companies trying to convince us that we can rent everything We can rent our bikes, we can rent our cell phones, we can even rent our computers. We, um, and we don't own it. 
Like it's, it's the same thing with the digital way. You can rent your movie or you have Netflix, you rent stuff. You, you don't. And I guess people getting obsessed with um, the, they don't get convinced that they only could rent stuff because as humans, we have, and it, it, that was the wild part coming up. Um, <laughs> like back in the days, like the first beginning, uh, Hunters and collectors. People love to collect stuff. Lo people mm -hmm. love to own stuff. And uh, I guess they're getting also the perspectives that um, they're seeing it. I have that iTunes. I have that Spotify account. But it's not my music. It comes to struggle when I just want to put it on another device and stuff like that. I guess people get upset, like I told be uh, said before, with just that digital stuff. And they just want to have, no, that is my record only uh, a flood in my basement can take it from me or if my, <laughs> my house burns down and I can put it on my record player and then I can I can gift it to to a friend I never heard somebody oh I gifted someone uh, my Spotify playlist or something like that it's just like <laughs> it's, I guess it, that's, that's why the wild part when it comes back to the Asian uh, um, humans we are hunters and collectors and people love to collect and own stuff and they don't want to convince by companies that uh, renting is okay there's nothing wrong with I, having your own bike so why yeah. why you need to <laughs> rent it or yeah I, ju I just also rambling around but that is my my theory why physical format will never go away i love i really like that that's a, it's it's if i feel like it parallels the way i thought about it but that that's a really I totally agree with everything you just said, and I'm glad you shared that with me because it's just uh, that's a really, really cool and interesting way to think about it. Because I've always looked at it as, you know, people bonding with an artifact and and having, because like you said, yeah, we like to collect things. So having a physical thing in our hand is it's a it's a tangible representation of the relationship that you have with the music that you love exactly. so much. Yeah. Yeah. That's so uh, it's so cool. You just added so much more depth to the way I've been thinking about it. So thank you. Yeah, um, you're welcome. I also I love to share <laughs> why, why why theories about stuff. Yeah, I guess it's it's like people love to put it into their shelf, and I, I have also um, a shelf with uh, collected tapes, and I never listen to them on my tape deck. I have a tape deck, of course, I have a tape deck, but I just love to collect stuff. It's just like yeah. like going back, people love to collect comic books. It's like owning it, so you, putting in the hand, mm -hmm. or magic cards is also coming up again. There's yep. a new magic card boom is coming <laughs> up. And yeah, and also, just like to maybe last point on that, it's also the same with, with when it comes to gaming. It's also correlated with that. On the 90s, you got the lovely boxed artwork big box uh, games um, mm -hmm. and now you're just uh, buying it in quotes from Steam or the Epic Workshop and stuff like that and mm -hmm. uh, what what happens when the service is going down you never can play the game again and so in, yeah. in recent days box games are coming more and more well you, uh, also the big publishers like Ubisoft and stuff like that they're coming out with the, these uh, insane collector's editions of Ghost Raccoon with big statues and stuff like that because they said <laughs> ah they want to have uh -huh. and, and also here in Germany is just I don't know if it's uh, or there's it's the same stuff like here in Germany um, at the moment there's rap music and it's peak like never before people earning a shitload of money because of doing rap music And they uh -huh. um, have, like, Universal and figured out to putting that in deluxe 
boxes like um you, okay. you have a, a box with a cd a t-shirt some stickers and maybe i don't know some weird a power bank with the artist brand and stuff <laughs> like just giving the people for for 50 euros what would normally uh, what the what uh normally would just buy the cd for that stuff or mm -hmm. like yeah and yeah. i guess I guess everything is coming back. I, I guess it's like every, <laughs> everything, not also time for a wild theory, like everything going up and down in history, like the, 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 the fashion from the 90s coming back, also with music and everything else. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I, I, I bet with you, in 10 years, or maybe sooner, we have the comeback of the CD. And everyone, oh, we That's, could. I've been yeah, wondering about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe it never happened. It never happened. Maybe some some formats, are obviously. But I would never thought that uh, the tapes will be back in fashion at at some point. Well, I have a theory on why vinyl and tape are popular and CD aren't. I want to see what you think of yeah, this. Yeah, please. Um, I th well, I think, I think with vinyl and and tapes, those are not. They are not digital, like it's an actual physical process, especially the tape. It's a, it's a mechanical device. You know, you have to, you have to put it on a spool that turns the thing and the tape head rubs. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's all of a physical process. And I feel like the more and more, you know, um, digital, everything's becoming with everybody being stuck in their phone. There's something about kind of getting out and, and having, tangible physical objects be your your focal point because instead of just on a screen and a cd is kind of you know it's a laser they're not as sexy either looking wise you know vinyl's big and it's it's you Heavy, know it's, yeah, it's got yeah. that retro thing yeah. um but yeah i think cds could come back um i actually do listen to my tapes and my vinyl but the way i i usually don't do it unless i'm entertaining i like to have people over yeah and i don't like to put on a, a playlist when I'm, when people are coming over. I like to, I like to not DJ a party because I'm not DJing, but I like to curate, curate the playlist yeah, of, yeah, a, of yeah, a night. Yeah. And what I love about the format of vinyl and cassette is it's an active process of listening because you have to flip them over yes. and you have to set them on there. And so it's, it's, you're, I feel like this might be a little bit, I don't know, wooey or, or overly poetic or, or whatever, <laughs> negative term you want to put on it but i feel like you just you connect more with the music when you have to be physically engaged with the process of listening to it yeah taking your time like taking your time like for a break is just like uh put a record on and maybe uh, younger mm -hmm. people won't understand like oh why you need to flip that stuff it's just like yeah. <laughs> it's not convenient at all and yeah <laughs> I don't know. I yeah, maybe with the tape, I would say. But tape also, on the other hand, is not the most audio feel format at all. It's noisy. It's like yeah, yeah. and if you get a, a bad dubbing with too much saturation and no Dolby at all, it's just like mm, I don't want to listen to it. It's just like and it wears out and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. and on the other hand. Um, Like when it comes to band machines, that's another, this is a whole, uh, this is just a rabbit hole to go into analog uh, audio technique <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. For, but for me, I get, um, I have the retro vibes when it comes to CD. I guess everybody's different, but for me, it was just like, um, I can just can remember what was my first CD. I don't want to talk about the title, but um, <laughs> and uh, oh man, now you have to tell us no, no, <laughs> another time. Uh, yeah, it was uh, Bon Jovi. 
keep the faith. Oh man, yeah. my, mine was Garth Brooks, so I'm not doing much better. Yeah. So it was it was the first <laughs> single I bought at the at the from my from my pocket money, and uh, I had the first CD player, and I guess. Uh, for me, it's just a nice format because because you can also hear the uh, CD spinning up, and if you have that old um, old uh, CD players, you can also hear the laser rattling around and, uh -huh. and skipping yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> it's it's also some sort. Of, it's it's very nice. It's very but yeah, but just to just say, it, I would say I would uh, if we want to bet. I don't know. Five dollars next five years, big comeback of CD. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to take that bet because I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, okay. I okay. think I think I think you're right. Now, I wanted to ask. Um, well, how long have you been doing modular field? Uh, yeah, for ages, I would say. Not modular field in the current state is uh -huh. is like just a process of the last, I would say, four to five years, maybe four. Okay. Before that, all right, and then my. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, before that, there was the net label stuff that was also called modular field, but I shut it down and made a creative break some sort, and I had a, a vinyl-only techno label for a long period, and then I uh, started again with modular field, doing it uh, as uh, I wanted to do everything right. What I learned before was wrong. So starting with a oh, okay. nice distributor, with timeless music, with great artwork, and taking the time for the releases. And since four years, that was running a little bit... Um, Uh, beside that and since four years uh, Stefan joined the party I knew him way before that I know him now for 10 years or something like that but there was a point when it came to like uh, going the extra mile or shutting it down and there was no other uh, one came into my mind like asking Stefan if he would join and th since then he's uh, part of the label and uh, few weeks ago uh, another old we were old also no about 10 years i guess tutu joined also the the label to because we were so much stuff to handle so much great artists there and so much good music to release and you need to to keep your sanity when you're doing it after you work you need more <laughs> people and we want to not half as anything because model fit is just uh doing things right and taking your time and yeah Yeah, stuff like well, that. Well, it, it pays off, and you can you can see the hard work with your pro with your product and everything. So you guys are doing a great job. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's you can always tell when 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 somebody is truly passionate about a, a project, you know, or or you know, or like especially like a label, and mm -hmm. and that really shines through. Um, I was curious with because you know you're called Modular Field. You release a lot of modular artists, and modular synthesis is you know, has become very, very popular. I would say in the last two years, it is real. I mean, I know it's, it's been on the up upswing for a while, but I'd say in the last two years, yeah. I feel like it's gotten very, very popular. Yeah. Um, have you noticed that increasing your listenership or how do you view that relationship of the, the format and people, more and more people making music with this instrument? Is it, has it changed your listenership? Um, yeah, first of all, um, I have, when it comes directly to modular, I have no idea. I tell you the truth. <laughs> I, have, I have no idea about the modules and I don't for just for myself. I don't get the concept because I'm really, I'm only a digital musician. 
I have my uh -huh. my Ableton and my Reason, and I can there switch the rack and put this. everything else would collect dusk on my on my. Um, <laughs> I have a, I have a MIDI keyboard here collecting dusk. I had a, a yeah. I had a, some sort of outboard synthesizer collected dusk. Never used it because I'm a huge fan of the. That's another story. This is just my <laughs> just my personal because um, um, the name Modular Field was way before. I even heard of modulars because modular field means in that what what I was thinking of a, uh, a field that you can order in modular ways. So you can have different genres representing the fields, like you have the the crowd rock interpretation, then you have the garage sound, the modular, and that forming a new field but with separate tiles. That's also why the logo is like you have the separate tiles. And it's forming a field, uh -huh. and that's why, why it was called modular field, with no intention to model at all. So I would say that's a happy accident. Yeah, then maybe. Yeah, and then it, <laughs> then 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 when it's uh, when it gets uh, then the, when the accident continues, I um, one day I was just uh, typing through Google and uh, not to Google what's the uh, YouTube. I, I was uh, searching mm -hmm. YouTube on a Sunday for modular field, not because I want to search for copyright infringements, just want to check if somebody is uploading stuff and just to be curious. And I stumbled mm -hmm. upon uh, Eli's uh, NNE's releases um, modular field trip. And I was, what? What the? <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> Interesting. And what? what's 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 he using there it's oh some sort of synthesizer with cables and oh and then i listened and i listened and i got really into that kind of music and then i con on uh, contacted him and said yo we need to do something together and then that's what started out off and i just was like the same rabbit hole and it was yeah just like you described the same um time period where modular got its pace where everybody and his mother was buying modules for way too much money and putting them together and making noise <laughs> out of it. And yeah, because everybody, I don't know, was upset of the regular ways of doing music and the read. Maybe this is also like, like we told me, uh, like we uh, was speaking before, it all comes back. Like the tape comes back, the modular comes back. Like, Way back, the house music, everybody was calling house music that. Then it was a big uh, revival of Deep House. I guess we're now at the peak at the moment where everybody is getting attention to the uh, modular again. And that was mm -hmm. like uh, like discovering the really unorthodox way of making music, like the freeway to, to not having a sequencer, like doing it more like like a feeling not like oh i need a hook i need a bridge and this is a part of the song just like that yeah and you can patch it and, and come yeah yeah I, I think it's very similar to the to the what i was talking about earlier with having a, a physical interaction with a mm -hmm. cassette tape and a record i think because uh, i you know a lot of people especially in electronic music they're like the, all the plugins and the the daws got so good you could do so such good stuff yeah. with just your computer and i think what i've heard a lot of people say um as i've, I've as i've talked to different man manufacturers and artists as i've done this show is they said i was working on a computer all day so when i got home to make music the last thing i wanted to do was get on a computer exactly. and i think that kind of goes hand in hand with the, the whole everything being on your phone 
you there there's something about and I don't I think it's just I think it's a primal thing like you were saying earlier back to the hunter and gatherer days maybe even before there's something that's just so personal about a tactile physical yeah you know relationship with something i guess it's give, giving people joy joy of, of creating stuff like that it's just like because on the uh on the digital side you can get really frustrated and you spend the most of the time of uh searching for the right uh patch for you i don't know <laughs> for your stuff like that and there you're patching it uh, on your own but i would say i'm um i can only half relate to that because I'm not the right person when it comes to modeler and the uh, the uh, the why people are doing it because me personally I don't understand it I don't understand it <laughs> I don't want to hate on it at all or something like that but I just don't get it I um, yeah I um, maybe it's also interesting that you have some somebody like me just like saying i don't get it i have no idea on the, what people are doing <laughs> there with all the cables and stuff like that i guess um maybe i'm too lazy for that because i can it's just hard for me to imagine <laughs> also it is it's a lot yeah, yeah it is a lot of work and you could spend an hour and a half on something and if you don't like it at the end then you got to spend 20 minutes unplugging everything yeah. so yeah <laughs> th there's definitely a downside but i'll tell you a little secret that maybe a lot of people who play modular don't want to don't want to say out loud but we we like that there are people out there who look at it and don't get it because it makes us feel like we have a secret or something <laughs> yeah it's, 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 it's totally i can understand that stuff but um yeah it's a nice it's a nice point of view yeah and then people patching and stuff yeah because maybe i'm more the practical type of guy and i also don't mind staring at computers staring in the whole day at work at computer when i'm coming home mm -hmm. and playing video games or sitting in front of another <laughs> computer and i don't mind because i'm like well, more convenient because but also the funny thing i'm using for example one of my favorite uh, plugins is uh i'm just discovered the roland cloud with uh, all the emulations of the i don't know of the drum machines and stuff like that first mm -hmm. of all it would be too expensive for me to own everything like that also i see it i just like maybe that's i'm i'm a little bit curious maybe you can answer me that question everything i see when it comes to modeler is so expensive from what it is very fun yeah <laughs> i don't know it's it's uh, in the in the uh in the maybe there are some modules who are really good in the uh coast to action i don't know how to explain it like but then you have some just some strips for a, a absurd amount of money they just like routing stuff you know and and then it's just like yeah but uh grocery shopping yeah, is it, also nice you know i don't know <laughs> I don't. yeah it is it is definitely limiting in that way um it is it is very very expensive um i think it it it, it will likely well hopefully become a little more cheap as it yeah because nobody is producing in popularity yeah 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 because yeah, you know yeah. like there, there's you if you want to order uh you know a thousand um stomp box pedals yeah you know just the boxes to make pedals you can order those in in bulk very easily mm -hmm. and and much easier than you can with with uh you know front panels because there's it's kind of a, the wild west as far as format goes but okay that's a whole other that's a whole other topic <laughs> i'm i'm curious um if you have like you you say you're still figuring it out and it's like a playground yeah as far as running a label goes um, do you think that that's just the way it's going to be 
as things change because of how fast technology grows and how how quickly um, you know platforms change and everything? Do you or do you do you see it maybe settling down and and finding you know a way that you can kind of coast or go go on cruise control and have uh, it all figured out? I I think there are certain aspects of going on cruise control is just like like the put stuff uh, putting stuff out to the uh, distributor. I don't I need to I know what Excel sheet I need to fill out and what formats I need to get it on. But that everybody knows that. Mm -hmm. Everybody's on cruise control. But when it comes to being creative with uh, promoting music to also combining it with uh, other stuff like that, nobody knows it. Even the major labels don't know it because like you like you uh, describe it it's the the environment is so rapidly changing around everything now it's a big thing is streaming you don't never know what the next big thing is so mm -hmm. maybe people get upset but um yeah i guess this is also one of the charming things to to figure stuff out like um we just started or started a little bit way better with our pa own patreon page I'm just trying mm -hmm. to, to figuring out what's the best benefit for the listeners there and stuff like that. Or we are just like doing some side projects like uh, sparkling wine. But it's just for... Oh, in, really? Yeah, we have the model of here sparkling wine because we're drinking a lot. And then a friend of his, Stefan knows a guy <laughs> who has his own uh, winery. And so we made a label for that. Like, we don't selling them. We're just gifting them. But it's also nice, uh -huh. nice uh, uh, door opener. Like, hey, listen to the music. And here have some sparkling wine. Get drunk. No, that's not like that. Um, it's just like, um, yeah, it's not just only the music. It's also the artist relationships or what else can the artists do. Because uh, just I want to go back to another point because I had it in my head. Because um, for the artists, it's of course... Um, Uh, only doing music but as a label we also rely heavily on what the artist is doing at least when he mm -hmm. has a, when he has a fan base he needs to tell the people that he has a new release and everybody is doing it but also we have the cross promotion like um uh or cross sharing not by people need to do it but they love to do it, that one artist posting the release of another artist and stuff like that mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, also some music magazines hate to hear from labels. They love to hear from the artists personally and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, but I guess like, like your question is, it's a process and nobody knows. And we just can try to get near a automated process. But in the end, when you only get an automated process, you can also uh, work at a car manufacturer and, doing like it's just a creative process exploring that's that's, yeah, that's the most of the say, fun it's most of the fun yeah yeah i was gonna ask if you if you kind of prefer it the way it is right now because you have to you have to kind of stay on your toes and, and keep keep thinking creatively and critically about how to approach it absolutely absolutely everything else is boring then i could stay at my daytime mm -hmm. job this would be this, without the creative stuff like that and mm -hmm. um i love it as far as i what when it comes to i love the process yes And I'd love to talk about that, it. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I can hear your passion coming out. And it's, and, and it's funny. It's, I don't think a lot of people could maybe would think about a label as a creative process itself. But as somebody who's been interested in trying to do it myself and, and had some minor success with a digital thing, mm -hmm. um, it is a highly creative process yes. and it, and it, and it definitely quenches your creative thirst. So, yeah. and also when and it, you do all the, 
the album art and everything. So that's a creative process and. Yeah, also when it comes, yeah. also it's a really nice and personal process when it comes, because artists in general are really nice people and they are also, and the end, they're people like uh, you and I, just normal people who love to doing things and really also passionate, uh, just like working together with passionate people. That, I guess, is the key. Working as artists mm -hmm. who are passionate about their music, who love to play live and stuff like that, who have their own ideas and mix it up with your ideas when it comes to the artwork and the promotion stuff and the press text. It's just such a rewarding process. And uh, I can do it till the end of my life, I would say. Yeah, well, yeah. that's awesome. And I feel like that everything that you just said is is maybe something that I think it I think it's good that the the major label died and 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 the like I know it did get very strange and it's hard for artists to make a living off of off of their music now which is the only aspect that I don't like about it but what I do like is I feel like everybody's kind of um just accepted that you know unless you're Taylor Swift you're not going to be a millionaire off of your music True. But it maybe makes your music more honest and, and it does strengthen the community aspect of it. And I feel like that that's just maybe this is because I don't have a huge bank account, but I feel like that's more rewarding than than making millions of dollars. Absolutely. But also you don't need to forget that um, it was never like that uh, independent artists ma made so much money they could live from. That's it. true. That's, yeah. It's just yeah. like not, not, not the, uh, nowadays. Also, when it comes to money, also it's like uh, playing life is the key. It's just like uh, playing live. Yeah. They get the direct income. And this would also be my tip for artists who want to make, yeah, of course, we can maybe have a big, huge success. But you want to go also to work to that success is playing live, playing play live at uh, places you don't want to play uh, just in the <laughs> beginning, just to, to get your name out there. And uh, the rest will follow. If your music is good, people will like it. And you can only make bank and really when you play live. And, and, yeah. And I, and I think sorry, I don't the want success to. of all of that, success of, of people listening and, and seeing you live, I think is all the success is contingent on being tr like truly genuine and mm -hmm. passionate about mm -hmm. what you're doing. Absolutely. I think people are learning that finally, maybe. I don't know. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I just had, had so, a big dream. Um, people learning it went into a, I just was drifting away. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, we're we are uh, we're about up on time, and I feel like we've we've covered a lot, but that went really quickly. Is yeah. there is there anything that we haven't covered that you'd like to let the audience know about? Um, yeah, if you'd like, not only modern music, electronic music in general, timeless music, just give us a listen. Follow us on Bandcamp or supporters on patreon we have a lot of great i don't want to like make a marketing plug like that i'm really bad at this stuff <laughs> and we have a lot of great releases upcoming like a uh, new panic girl album on uh, white vinyl new anon bus album also on white vinyl a uh, lucid grain release also upcoming and um, a pixel release also uh, upcoming now and i guess next week i don't know when it's airing We have from Emma from Berlin our next release upcoming. Then we have a little summer break and then 
winter with full force again. Yeah, and just oh, cool. Say hi well, on Instagram. I will Instagram. definitely add links to uh, thank you the, to the band camp and to to specific releases, and I'll, I'll even play some of the stuff that you sent me, um, maybe in the intro and, and play one at the end mm-hmm. here, since we're not doing the patch challenge. Um, but yeah, Marcus, I can't thank you enough. This was this was really cool. I've been really wanting to talk talk to you because I'm a, a huge fan and I've always just really looked up to independent labels, especially successful ones. So uh, yeah, thank you for giving me your time. Yeah, Tim, thank you for having me on your show. It was a really nice pleasure and also uh, talking to you and uh, hearing about your perspective on such things and theories. It was really great. My pleasure. Thank you. All right, in lieu of a patch challenge, let's check out a song called Vergessen by Nathan Moody, which is off of a recent split release that he did with uh, Hanoi, that's all caps H-H-N-O-I, out on Modular Field Records right now. So go ahead to their uh, Bandcamp, and you can pick this up in digital format or on cassette. Also check out Nathan Moody's uh, mastering service, obsidiansound.net. He does uh, mixing and mastering and can offer you some mix notes on stuff uh, and I highly highly recommend uh, using his services if you have uh, a release you plan to uh, throw out into the world so okay let's check out this track
Well, isn't that a fun episode? Oh, yeah. How much did you enjoy it? I enjoyed it so much. Yeah. That was a really good one. I love I love a good German accent. Oh, me too. Yeah. 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 Um, I want to thank Marcus for coming on. Please go check out Modular Field Records. Uh, their band camp is stacked full of awesome releases from a lot of past guests, actually. Nathan Moody, Panic Girl, um, and then Panic Girl's other project, um, Lucid Grain. Mm. Um, Got it. Yeah, a bunch of great artists. And don't forget about Velocity October 5th here in Seattle. Check out that stacked lineup. Mm. Go to Velocity. What is it? VelocitySeattle.com. Does anybody go to websites anymore? Just like Google. Well, I mean, but like, does anybody type in www.blahblahblah.com? No. No, you just like, even if I give you the web address right now you're gonna go to your google si- and you're velocity gonna velocity seattle, seattle. yeah so do that yeah and go good. check out the awesome website that kevin holly made kevin has also been killing it with the um the photography of our scene i've been oh, loving it he's so he good does such a good job yeah. he's such a sweetheart oh the sweetest yeah had a really great conversation with him the last time we hung out yeah shout out to kevin hey kevin insta squish yeah on instagram um okay. Needham Woodworks cases, please go check those out. And also check out those new sweet, sweet firmware updates for the Disting Mark IV. We're going to get into some demos of those, but like they just came out, so I got to figure out how to do a good demo of them, you know? Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah. Patreon.com forward slash Podular Modcast. Boy, driving to Tacoma. Driving to Tacoma Fife? sucks. Life's the worst. Like, there's no good time to do it. No. Nope. Oh. It's the worst. The struggle is real. All you LA folks know what I'm talking about. I feel like Seattle, LA. Does it? Is it worse anywhere else in the country? Besides, um, like, of course, like downtown New York's probably pretty bad. Downtown yeah, Chicago, but, but like. You drive down there. Yeah. Okay, well, that was a good good talk. Yeah. There are t-shirts left. If you order a t-shirt, you can get some pod mods, stickers, swag, stuff. Um, also, check out Waveform Magazine. Get your subscription if you don't already. Uh, issue 2 should be coming out relatively soon. Um, Ellison also made some pretty cool bumper stickers that say, My other car is a modular synthesizer. And Hannah won't let me put it on her car. I won't. But my, I don't. my car's too much of a beater. I don't want to... I feel like if I put a cool sticker on my car... Well, people would know why your car is a beater because you spend all your money on modular synthesizers. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But what I'm still like... I'm worried that if I put that sticker on there, then it'll break down like that day. It'll be like, oh, I wasted that sticker. Nah, do it. Represent. Well, all right. Write me an email. Tell me what you think I should do. Or write Hannah an email and tell her just to let me fucking put it on her car. It's a Hyundai Elantra. It's not like it's a fucking Tesla or something. That did not help my case. Uh-uh. Uh, he's going to sit in my Hyundai Elantra and talk trash. I'm the one hoping who talk, that I'm I talked you into getting the Hyundai, too. I was yeah. like, they're cheaper and they're pretty good. Yeah, I don't like it that much, but it takes me to Tacoma. I fucking I love them. To. So, Hyundai, if you're listening, sponsorship. <laughs> Um, okay, this is the longest intro of show history, I think. But well, thank it's you. an outro. I mean, that's what I mean. Yeah. Longest outro of show history. We got stuff to say. We got a lot of stuff to say. Yeah, we love you guys. Yeah, I love you. Thank you so much. And until next week. <laughs>